and and frankly, there's nothing so unusual about being a Jewish cowboy. Today on Stettel, we're talking about big ideas. Do Canada and the United States really exist? Should we be paying a dollar a month rent to all Indigenous North Americans? And is the church anti-Semitic towards God? All subjects covered in our interview with Director of Cow Jews and Indians. Also, we have Karina Rose playing live in the studio off their brand spanking new album, Northeast Southwest. And to download this or past episodes of Shtetl on the Shortwave, you can go to iTunes or shtetlmontreal.com. The county gives us grief Or I ain't horses We gallop at light speed New sheriff in town I still fit the description So they stressing me They're doing like ashtrays And put the clip in Maintain cause I'm chosen Like hieroglyphic inscriptions To be decoded by those who ain't frozen It, it never really hurts to start off the weekend with a little bit of so-called, and that was Jewish Cowboy, and it sort of fits with uh, today's theme. Um, this is Shtetl on the Shortwave, and I'm your host, Tamara Kramer, here to humbly serve all of your alternative Jewish arts and culture needs. And uh, today we're going to be hearing an interview that I did with Mark Halberstadt, who is the director of a mu- movie called Cow Jews and Indians, which is why I felt like I had every right to play more so-called on Shtetl for the Jewish cowboy song. And um, it's an interesting movie, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. And on the second half of the show, we are going to have a real treat. Karina Rose is going to be here playing songs off of their new album, and uh, that's a Northeast Southwest, and they're going to be having their album launch on uh, April 11th, so you can check them out. But you'll get to hear them first. It's uh, Corey Gulkin. She's the woman behind Karina Rose. Uh, she's going to be playing banjo, and Leia Dolgoy is with her, and she'll be playing auto harp. So that'll be a treat, because I don't think I've ever actually seen somebody play 
auto harp. So it'd be fun to see that. And that brings us to the first part of Shtetl today, which is an interview with somebody who had a very interesting idea. He decided that he wasn't satisfied with the small reparations that he had received from the German government uh, in return for what his family had experienced uh, during the war and how they had been evicted from their home and forced to sell at a very, uh, a very low price. And so he came up with this uh, interesting idea of how he could use that, the money that he felt he was owed by the German people living in his home to pay the Native American people on whose land he had been living for so long. Um, it's it's a pretty hysterical movie. Very, I'd say it's like Michael Moore a little bit, but a lot more silly. And the movie is opening up the Toronto Jewish Film Festival that starts next week, which is uh, definitely a favorite cultural festival of mine that happens in in Canada every year. And yet again this year, the list of films is really incredible. So I spoke with Mark this week, and I'm going to let him explain a little bit about what he was trying to accomplish with this documentary that and this journey that he went on. So take a listen. Four Native Americans went with me to Germany to execute what I call the assigned claim. And what I mean by that is, in my reasoning, if the Germans owed me for 65 years' worth of back rent after they'd you know, been paid back the reparations money and given the money from the German government to cover their costs, and I owed the Native Americans 65 years of back rent, because that's how long my family was on their land, why not let the Native Americans collect directly from Germany, cut out the middleman? So that's why I came to Indian country to find a team of Native Americans to go back to Germany to execute what I called my assigned claim collection strategy. Hmm. Well, the first uh, of the four was the Gunawiak. She was the uh, administrator for the Mohawk Nation Council of Chiefs, which is the traditional uh, Mohawk government. You know, there's such a thing as a drunk test in America. Uh, my mother was a physician and would have to give drunk tests. And I was never privy to them, but I imagine, you know, you hold up four fingers and you say, how many fingers do you see? You know, what country do you live in? If you give this drunk test to, for example, people in Montreal, and you say, what country do you live in? Uh, and they say, Canada. Well, that's the wrong answer. They live on Haudenosaunee territory. Mm-hmm. Canada was a map drawn uh, by the usurpers of that land. They're not in... Montreal is not in Canada. Montreal is on Haudenosaunee territory. They literally don't know the country that they're living in. They would not pass a drunk test by Haudenosaunee standards. Is this because it's on unceded land, or is this how you would define all Canadian and American land, regardless of whether there was a treaty or not? In the case of Montreal, it's unceded land. Okay. So your radio station, your show, your shoes, the paper in your prayer book, if you were to go to church or synagogue, um, <clears throat> that's all stolen from the Indian. The Gunawiaks, and this was a story that was not carried in the Montreal press. She was crossing the border. She was asked for identification, she, and she produced her Haudenosaunee passport, a passport that is honored in Switzerland, uh, in Japan, and Holland, but not honored by the United States and Canada. Her passport was confiscated, and the notice of seizure said it was a, quote, fantasy passport. Hmm. Well, that's because, as I reasoned it out, she's from a fantasy country. The Indians are living in a fantasy. They believe they have a country. And so this, <clears throat> this crime, this illusion, this counterfeit country called Canada and the United States 
based on false maps that deny U.S. history. The, I mean, not U.S. history, deny the history of this continent that are passed on and taught to school children by leaders and by clergy as if you are living in Canada and I am living in the United States is a lie. So what I am trying to do through process that is described in many traditions, in the Jewish tradition it's called tikkun olam, process of repair, is to repair, heal, and transform these glove compartment maps, the maps that are shown in atlases, the maps that are on the wall of history classes in high school colleges, and show the true map of where, for example, Montreal really is. So that's pretty heavy, and I look forward to seeing the map. Uh, actually, Mark is going to be making them available soon, his new map of North America, of America, actually. And apparently, Montreal is one of the places, and I didn't know this, in North America that is on unceded land. And I'd never even heard of that term before I went to a teach-in about Idle No More and uh, found out that some of Canadian land is not even uh, governed by a treaty. So it's not even a dispute over a treaty. There isn't even a treaty. And Montreal is one of those places. So that's pretty interesting to find out. And uh, I'm going to take a little musical break and play some Robbie Robertson, who I've been playing a little bit this past year. He is, uh, he's got um, Native American and Jewish ancestry. And this song is uh, called Peyote Healing. And he's singing with the Red Road Ensemble. We'll be back in a couple of minutes on Shtetl on the shortwave. One day watching yellow, a day o' monkey, One day watching yellow, a day o' monkey, One day watching Oh, 
Er hat sich die Städtel auf den Shortwave auf CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. So that was uh, Robbie Robertson off of his 1988 album Contact from the Underworld of Red Boy and that was a really beautiful song and this next clip that it's it's uh, you know language is so important and and every every word has a specific meaning and I think I made a mistake and I confused um, Mark's concept and I kept saying it's interesting how you're trying to to get reparations for the Native Americans and uh, try to get reparations from the Germans for the Jews and and mixing those all together and I I was using the wrong word so I was not asking for reparations at all I didn't want to support that system I wanted to re turn the reparations, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, and let them get the money back from the German government that was confiscated, and then basically charge them rent for being on our property. When I, as I went through that thought process, I realized that I was a hypocrite, because here I am in Germany complaining about the property taken away from my ancestors, when in America I'm living on and profiting from the land taken away from the ancestors of the Native Americans. As I turned that over in my mind, and I realized that my family had come to what is known as upstate New York, and we were living on Mohawk territory. And so, as I thought about the whole situation, and uh, I didn't want to kick the Germans out of our property in Germany, that wasn't really what I was feeling, but they should just acknowledge at least the true owners of, of the land. And the way you acknowledge ownership, the simple silly way of doing that is you pay rent. The amount of the rent is not the issue. It's the fact that you pay rent. When you pay rent, that is the common way of acknowledging whose land you're on. It acknowledges who the landlord is. So even if the people on the property in Germany had said, you know what, we don't have a lot of money, but we will pay you $5 a month rent because we know you're on, we're on your property. And uh, that would be a huge step forward intellectually. And so if Americans... Canadians uh, were able to get to the point where they realized that they're living on property that was stolen uh, and passed down to other people that was passed on to all of us here living in the U.S. and Canada uh, and elsewhere, and we can get to the point to acknowledge that we're in receipt of stolen goods, that this is a theft, and that we're profiting from that theft, not because we committed the theft, but because we are in receipt of the stolen goods from that theft, then the next step is to acknowledge that we're on Indian land. And the simple way to do it is to pay Indians rent. That's just a way of acknowledging it. How much we pay, how much rent we pay, is a separate issue. But if everybody in the United States and Canada said, you know what, times are tough, the economy is tough, I have bills, I'm in debt, all I can do right now is pay the minimum. And I figured out tomorrow what the minimum is. The minimum is $1 a month. That is the minimum. Anything less than that, it's like change on the floor of the rug. You're going to mess up the vacuum cleaner. 
So an interesting proposal, paying $1 a month in rent, I think. Uh, I think there's something to it, actually. And Mark is setting up what uh, is called a 501c3 or a charitable organization called payindianrents.org. And uh, he's in the process of seeing if he can actually make this a reality. Um, the movie, I, I hope, I don't know if I'm conveying this and if I was able to convey this through this particular interview that we did. Uh, there's still one, a couple more clips, but the movie is actually really comical. And so um, I, ju- I just want to convey that as well, that it really does bring humor to this plight and this journey that that Mark goes on with four Native Americans that uh, that go with him to to Germany, um, and a lot of pretty funny things ensue when they get to Germany uh, all together. Um, we're going to take a quick musical break, and because uh, it's it's Passover is definitely over but we're at the we're at the tail end and there's a couple of things that I wanted to mention first of all if you go to Shtetl magazine there's an article called Mimuna Wa and it's about crashing a Moroccan Passover ritual which is the ritual that you do at the end of Passover to break the fast when you stop eating matzah and when you're allowed to start eating bread and and all these things that you're not allowed to eat on Passover and um, there's actually going to be a Mimuna hop which is when you go from house to house and and you eat food and and Moroccan delicacies like mufleta. So you can read all about that in Shtetl magazine. There's a there's a nice story in there that explains a little bit more about like this quirky history behind the mimuna. And also uh, in Shtetl there is an aboriginal rewrite of the 10 plagues which were recited at uh, a seder that happened uh, in the myland this passover um, with the myland Chavura grassroots organization here in montreal and which was dedicated to idol no more and nathan adler and howard adler who've contributed to shtetl magazine in the past and who are two brothers from ontario who are ojibwe and jewish wrote an alternative version of the 10 plagues which is a big part of the passover seder ritual and that's also in the magazine so you can check that out at Montreal.com. And since we're like kind of in the, the cowboy frame of mind, I never really explained actually. The movie is called Cow Jews and Indians, and I think you can interpret that in many ways. But in fact, Mark's uh, Mark Halberstadt, the director, his his great grandfather, I believe, was actually what is called a cow Jew in Germany. So there's a bit of a cowboy theme happening here today. And so I thought it would be fun to bring that together with Passover and listen to a little bit of Bernie Knee. And uh, this is an oldie but a goodie, Passover time on the range. In the land of the purple sage, where the lone ranger is all the rage, every year without fail, I return to the trail And I'll do it Till I die of old age I'm heading for the prairie Where the laws are dietary Cause it's Passover time Out on the range Where a cowhand never joshes when he sang in the fear cautious And cedar is held around a campfire for a change Give me lots of yippee-yay Lots of matzah yippee-yay Let me eat until I've had my fill And get a stomachache Drink lechaim yippee-yay With cactus wine yippee-yay Even if we stuff there's not enough Get them to rattlesnake I'm heading 
for the prairie where the laws are dietary cause it's Passover time out on the range where bomb mitzvahs a saloon that serves a beer with macaroon and eggs are laid hard by kosher chicks and no one thinks it's strange give me lots of yippee lots of matzo yippee Loaded with gehakta buffalo, it's there for one and all. Drink lechayim, yippee with cactus wine, yippee Then you'll start to dance to an old square dance at the Pesach Matzah All right, we're back on Shtetl on the Shortwave, and that was a little bit of Passover time on the range, and it's very exciting because we've got Karina Rose in the studio setting up her equipment with Leia Dolgoy. Uh, like I was saying, um, Mark Halberstadt went to Germany with four uh, Native Americans who agreed to go with him on this uh, crazy adventure. One of them was called um, Degana Wiax. She's a Mohawk nationalist. Nathan uh, Nathan Blindman from the Pine Ridge Reservation. Clayton Graham, who I think is a descendant of one of the last survivors of Wounded Knee, and um, a Native American comedian, Mitch Factor, who brought some uh, some comedy to the the journey that they went on. And uh, some pretty hysterical things happened while they were there. It's hysterical to me. I don't know how it was for them, but it was pretty funny when you saw it in the movie. And uh, this is a clip about uh, an encounter that happened kind of randomly while, while these four Native Americans and Mark were uh, in Germany. When you're in Germany, you happened upon a reenactment of a quote-unquote real Native American powwow, which was all uh, Germans reenacting the powwow. And I was just curious to know, what were the genuine reactions of the Native Americans you were traveling with? Well, you can see it in the film. They were amazed, first of all, because Clayton and Nathan are Lakota speakers. And this powwow was what you call a reenactment, they were just having a powwow. I don't know if they, they considered it a reenactment. Uh, in Lakota, they were singing in Lakota, mm-hmm. dancing in Lakota. They had Lakota uniforms on with tremendous specificity and, and attention to detail. It was absolutely incredible how perfectly they sang these songs and did these dance steps. So they were honored by the powwow that they saw? I think that they had very mixed I think they had, uh, uh, it was a jumble of things. I think the Gunnawiaks enjoyed it very much, and she joined them in the dancing. Uh, I think it was a quizzical, a quizzical moment for them. I think that they were honored and flattered, and yet at the same time it was very odd, very, very odd for them to see this. <laughs> and, uh, the, and the joke, of course, was that, you know, usually in powwows, it's the white people that are observers and the Indians that are dancing, and here the reverse you know, role reverse, the Indians are the ones watching and the white people that are doing the dancing. <laughs> Leah's making a face. That is so weird. That is very weird. And it's, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not a scholar of cultural studies or racism or anything, but 
I don't know, it sounds like cultural appropriation. It was very, it's a very odd moment. And it's interesting that they were in some ways honored by what they were seeing. And uh, I'm not really sure what to make of it. And that's why I think it's going to be really fun to go see the premiere of this at the Toronto Jewish Film Festival, because in fact, there's going to be a panel afterwards where some of the people who went to Germany with Mark will be on the panel. And there's going to be a, um, a scholar talking with him about the relationship between uh, Native American communities and Jewish communities. And I, I think there's like a lot to unpack in this movie. Um, through the, although you're laughing along the way, you're also kind of like, oh my God, like this, this is pretty crazy stuff. Um, and I'm going to just play one last clip, uh, from my, my chat with Mark this week, uh, about his movie, Cow Jews and Indians. And he, uh, draws a parallel between, um, sort of looking at how the church is responsible for a lot of the issues that have uh, plagued the Jewish people and also the Native American First Nations peoples. So he uh, he talks here a little bit about the concept of anti-Semitism towards God. If you go into any Catholic church or you look at the images in any Protestant church, uh, over 90% of the time, and I think that's a conservative estimate, you're going to see a counterfeit image of Yeshua with a forgery counterfeit name. These images attack his language by calling him Jesus. What an insult. His name isn't Jesus. Jesus, there's no J sound in Hebrew. If you went to Yeshua's mother, Yeshua is his real name, and said, I'm going to tell you something. Tell me what this reminds you of. Jesus. What is that supposed to be? Is that, is that a word? Is that supposed to be a word? What is it? It's, it's not an it. It's a person. What? What person? What person? You mean like that's a name? Yeah. What name? The name of who? It's the name of your son. (laughs) Excuse me? It's not his name. You know, in natural languages, in native languages, in indigenous languages, in indigenous culture, there is a relationship between the name of something and that which the name refers to. And that's why, for example, the commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain, because you're... The name has, has power. And so to take his name and butcher it the way it's been done is showing no respect. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Why don't they just call Yeshua Frank or <laughs> Billy? You know, why don't we call George Washington Billy Washington? That is just mild disrespect. But those nonsense syllables like Billy and George are nothing compared to actually butchering his name. So they're... They're disrespecting his, the name, it's the language that Hashem spoke, God spoke, when he created the universe. And even when Christians hear his real name, they brush it aside. I'll call him what I want to call him. This is the way we do it. It's like <laughs> the King of England appointed a committee to create transliteration conventions that reflected uh, what they call linguistic imperialism. We'll call him what we damn feel like calling him. I don't give a crap what... Mary, his mother, calls him. I don't care. Well, my message to the church is, you're right, you don't. You don't care. And it's an attack on his language. It's cultural imperialism. It's spitting at his Hebrew. (laughs) They also kicked the Jew out of his face. Fuck you, Jew. And gave him a white face. This is not garden-variety anti-Semitism. This is anti-Semitism towards God. That's why it's beyond anti-Semitism. It's blasphemy. They knock his head covering off. We don't need your religion, Jew boy. So they attack the race and religion of God in the church year after year, century after century, and even when it's pointed out, they don't do anything about it. 
from a Christian point of view, that's anti-Semitism towards God. Christians have to stop calling him Jesus once and for all. They have to simply stop calling him Jesus. And as far as that is concerned, and by the way, Jews have to wake up too. What is the word Jew? Jew is cultural imperialism that Jews have adopted. My mother would say, I am a Jew. There is no J sound in Hebrew. Jew is the transliterated of Yehudi. Even the Yehudim are using the same and adopting and embracing Judaism. What is, you know, <laughs> that's a made-up word. They're not respecting the Ivrit. Well, it's also the evolution, it's the evolution of, of language and culture. The destruction of language and culture, yes. <laughs> and it is a destruction. And the reason that I say it's a destruction and not an evolution, uh, through the name. In whose name are you healing, they would come to Yeshua and ask him. Because people were using the name to heal. It's not even a matter of respect, they were brought up not knowing. Right. They, weren't, they didn't know any better. They thought Jesus was his name. They they still call him Jesus. It's totally crazy. They can't even get his name right. I think one of the most powerful parts of the film for me was when you made the comparison of the, um, I guess, Aryanization of Jesus and how the settlers tried to force the Native Americans to assimilate, either through residential schools or, or you know, by taking away their names or their uh, traditional regalia. And that definitely was the most powerful part of the film, in my opinion, um, how it hurt a culture or destroyed a culture, taking away their language and their names. From the Indian Reservation To the governmental school Well, they're going to educate me To the white man's golden rule And I'm learning very quickly For I've learned to be ashamed and I come when they call Billy Though I've got an Indian name And there are drums beyond the mountain Indian drums that you can't hear There are drums beyond the mountain And they're getting mighty near and when they think that they've changed me Cut my hair to meet their needs Will they think I'm white or Indian Quarter blood or just half breed Let me tell you, Mr. Teacher When you say you'll make me right in 500 years of fighting Not one Indian turned white And there are drums beyond the mountain 
Indian drums that you can't hear. There are drums beyond the mountain, and they're getting mighty near. Well, you thought that I knew nothing when you brought me here to school. Just another empty Indian, just America's first fool. But now I can tell you stories that are burnt and dried and old. But in the shadow of their telling walks the thunder, proud and bold. And there are drums beyond the mountains, Indian drums that you can't hear. There are drums beyond the mountain, and they're getting mighty near. Lone Pine and Sequoia, Handsome Lake and Sitting Bull. There's Mangus, Colorado, with his leaves so red and full. Crazy horse, the legend. Those who bit off Custer's soul, they are dead, yet they are living with the great Geronimo. And there are drums beyond the mountains, Indian drums that you can't hear. There are drums. Beyond the mountains, and they're getting mighty near. Well, you may teach me this land's history, but we taught it to you first. We broke your hearts and bent your journeys. Broken treaties left us cursed. Even now. You have to cheat us, even though you think us tame. In our losing, we found proudness. In your winning, you found shame. And there are drums beyond the mountains, Indian drums that you can't hear. There are drums. Beyond the mountains, and they're getting mighty near. All right, we're back on Shtetl on the shortwave, and that was a little bit of Johnny Cash for you, who also has some Cherokee blood in him, and that is an absolutely stunning, beautiful song. And I think I would highly suggest that some really funky, cool Montreal band cover that song, maybe Karina Rose, who knows? Um, so that kind of takes us to the... Uh, the second half of the show, I want to say thank you to Mark Halverstadt for taking the time to to do the interview, and I encourage people to go to his website, cowjewsandindians.org. And, uh, whoops, we're setting up the studio here for Leia Dolgoy and Karina Rose. How are you guys doing? 
<laughs> doing okay <laughs> we just had like a s- almost microphone emergency <laughs> we we managed to rectify everything microphone malfunction yeah. i shouldn't do anything with pics on except play music <laughs> <laughs> so um guys i want to uh thank you for coming into the studio i love it when when musicians come in and play live and i think we, we should do it more at shtetl um and uh Karina, I wanted to know if you would tell us a little bit about this album. Why did you call it? What did you call it? And why did you call it that? Right. I always say it wrong, so I'll let you. I'll let you tell <laughs> okay. the listeners the name. Um, so, right, I have a, a new album coming out next week, uh, which is entitled Northeast Southwest. Um, uh, so, I mean, is I, it I just, Southwest by Southeast? It's uh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> North by <laughs> Northeast by South. Northwest. <laughs> That's I don't why know. I didn't want to say. I feel like there's some in between direction that I'm forgetting or something. But um, yeah, well, obviously I wanted to include all of the directions um, in the title, um, and well, I, I also named the album after the title track uh, of the record, um, which I wrote um, a number of years ago. And and I'm like I've been living in Montreal for about seven years, but I'm initially from Toronto, and I. Um, after I came to Montreal initially just to study, um, and after I was finished my studies, I I kind of wasn't sure, um, where my home was necessarily because I still had a room in Toronto, like my room was still intact. Um, but I had been living in Montreal for four years and I, I was kind of in this weird in between where I had two places that I called home. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote the song and then I just figured that it, it made sense as a really perfect title for the record. And while well, we were trying to come up with something and I remember Leia recommending it as an idea and I was kind of like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I mean, the record goes in a lot of different musical directions and, um, I don't know, it just talks about a lot of different things. So I, I just like the idea of these intersecting things and, and kind of, I guess, being in the in-between in a sense. Yeah. Oh my God, I hear you. Uh, you know what I didn't realize? Like northeast, southwest, all the directions being lost. Where is home? I think yeah. these are things that a lot of people, especially where is home in this day and yeah. age, when people are going from city to city, and um, it's kind of hard to figure that out sometimes. So I think a lot of people will relate to that. Yeah. Um, the album is really, really beautiful, and uh, it's quite different from the first time to- the first time that you came and played on Shtetl with your last album. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, you're changing and growing mm-hmm. in different directions musically which is cool too um what's the first song that you guys are going to play well speaking of the title track to the record we're just going to start with that one yeah let's do it yeah all right this is karina rose all right one two one two three four well the distance oh it ain't so big And what's in between is in our heads, don't we know? And if I knew just where we are, we'd still be hurt and stuck and scarred, can't get around it. We're in between two cities and two hearts. Can't ever choose, won't ever depart Cause northeast, southwest, I'm coming home And as I sleep, you transport me And all the rest is just a dream 
between two cities and two hearts Can't ever choose, won't ever depart Cause north, east, south, west, I'm coming home We're in between two cities and two hearts Can't ever choose, won't ever depart We're in between two cities and two hearts Can't ever choose, won't ever depart Cause north, east, south, west, I'm coming home Except you can never choose. Can't you know? ever choose, won't ever depart. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's tricky. It's one of those things that's it's a bit of a joyful song because, I mean, what's better than having one home is kind of having two homes, but then also, I don't know, just feeling a little bit stuck in between them too. So there you go. Is uh, Montreal kind of home for both of you yeah, yeah. well Leah's from here you go yeah. ahead you um, can. I, I grew up in Edmonton so that's also home um but Montreal's been home for 11 years so it's home too and Leah as long as we've got you on the mic there I wanted to ask you about your instrument because I've actually never seen an auto harp what what is an auto harp like for the listeners who yeah. can't see it <laughs> well I have to post up a picture on the shuttle blogs but I, I, I can describe what it looks like it looks like a like a teeny tiny weird piano accordion harp baby guitar <laughs> <laughs> instrument combination monster um it's, a, it's originally a german instrument it um was uh created in the 1880s and um it's a it's in the zither family of instruments so it's it's technically a zither and not a not a harp at all um but it's most popularly played in the southern united states um and it's very easy to play it's an i i, I sometimes say you know if you can it's like velcro shoes you know you don't really? <laughs> you need a lot of skill to play the auto harp or at least to get a sound out of it okay to play to play well you you, you need to practice a little but really um i'll describe to your listeners there are buttons and the buttons correspond to chords and when you press them when you depress them there's a piece of piano felt that comes down and it mutes the strings that are not in the chord that you're playing and the strings that are left open are the ones that ring so if i depress my g chord and strum I sound like an angel. <laughs> I get a perfect G chord across three octaves. So um, unlike the guitar or the banjo where you have to make chord shapes with your hands, with the auto harp, you literally just press a button. <laughs> wow. And strum. Honestly, I feel so relaxed all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so playing melody is a little trickier, but uh, okay. just to get a nice sound out of it and to be able to accompany yourself singing is very easy. So yes, shadow listeners, if you want to get in touch with me and ask more questions, you can. I highly recommend the auto harp as an instrument. Wow. <laughs> Do you give lessons? I have, yes, given <laughs> mostly just to friends and people who in bars that see me play and ask me how on earth this thing works. I will give them a lesson on the side, but... Leah, how many people have you now gotten to purchase an auto harp after they've seen you play it? Oh, gosh. I think maybe seven, maybe eight. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm a, like a walking infomercial, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the auto harp people are very thankful to you, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I guess we're going to just appreciate the sound of it for now on Stettel. I would love it if you guys would play another song. Yeah, I'm just tuning really quick here. 
and I'm hoping that I'm not going to break any strings. I think at our last rehearsal, I broke two strings mm -hmm. um, at once, and it was a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it's jarring when that happens. It sounds like something terrible. All right. Oh, yeah. Ready? Yeah. Um, the song is called There is Darkness, There is Light. Oh, more opposites. How funny. <laughs> <laughs> but so true. Yeah, but so, so true. true. Um, yes, there is truth in opposites, I suppose. Um, yeah, let's just let's just go for it. Yeah.
Should we clap? I don't want to clap after that. That was so nice. Oh my God. That was very, very, very sweet. Um, I wanted you guys to play another song. um, And I know it's a song with banjo. And now I feel very badly that I'm going to play somebody else's music, which was our plan (laughs) while you tune your banjo, because his music, which is great and all, really doesn't go with your music. But hey, (laughs) opposite directions. Opposite there. darkness no sorry sorry i don't want to butcher it (laughs) um okay so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna play uh i'm gonna play this song it's a song by thomas jensen and the reason i'm playing that is because he's playing at a festival called malas artes which is being put on by um you guys if you want to start taking out your instruments for the next song go for it um it's being put on by a man named damian nissenson and he's an argentinian man who came here a few years ago and has been doing this argentinian festival uh ever since it's at the Sala Rosa and at Casa del Popolo and uh, there's a whole bunch of different people who are going to be playing and coming in from Argentina Damian Nissenson's band Nozen they play um, like a Hasidic kind of jazzy type of music um, that's the only that's the only Jewish e type of music at the festival um, so take a listen to this and we'll be back on Shtetl on the shortwave with Karina Rose in just a moment <laughs> on Shtetl on the Shortwave with uh, Karina Rose. That was just a little break with the lovely Thomas Jensen, who you can catch at the Malas Artes Music Festival, April 10th to 11th. And now, 
April 10th to 13th, sorry. Um, before you guys play this last song to take us out of Shtetl on the shortwave today, um, can you just give us some info about your album launch so we can go if we want to? Yes, so uh, I'll be playing, we'll be playing um, on at Club Lambie on Thursday, April 11th. Um, the doors open at 8.30, show starts at 9.30. It's presented by Indie Montreal, so you can get tickets to the show in advance at www.indiemontreal.ca or you can buy tickets at the door at Club Lambie uh, and uh, Chesley Walsh of Bent by Elephants will be opening the night and we're going to be playing with a big band of uh, I think a total of 11 people um, so it's going to be it's going to be pretty amazing and uh, yeah also oh yeah you can stream the whole album right now via Midnight Putin who is our media partner for the show uh, how does music change when you've got 11 other people <laughs> playing um, well it's going to sound a little bit more like the album I mean the album has so many uh, elements to it strings and horns so they're all going to be there uh, and the, the band with anyway it just makes it a little bit more rock uh, and also a little more orchestral whereas right now this is our stripped down folky awesome Karina Rose unplugged version yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. so what song are you going to play uh, we're going to play a song called So It Goes uh, it's my favorite song on the album <laughs> it's the break up hoedown of the record oh yeah. break up hoedown alright this is Karina Rose on Shtetl on the shortwave thanks so much for coming All in right. guys thank you one two one two three four a boy, his name was Sam, pretty little thing, he wasn't that bad, took him to the bridge down an old boat mark, just to leave him there alone in the dark, and so it goes on, waiting for it to be my turn, and then, this is love, oh God, won't you please strike me down? Girl, her name was Jean. She was real sweet, never petty or mean. Didn't want to hurt her or make her a fool. My prospects are waiting, no time to lose. And so it goes on, waiting for it to be my turn. And if this is love, oh God, won't you please strike me down? I think Leia has a breakup story to tell in this verse. All right. I, I do have a breakup story I kind of want to tell. And I think it means that I might be coming out to all of Shettle on the Shortwave listeners in about five seconds. Ready? One, two, one, two, three, four. I had a girl, her name was Spike. She had four cats and a fixed geared bike. I'm so sick of being cuisine. I'd rather drink whiskey and make out with Jean. And so it goes on. Waiting for it to be my turn And if this is love, oh God Won't you please strike me down? And 
now it's the springtime, everything's renewed, everyone's a wanting and a grasping in tune. Little did they know and little did they see, affections are ethical, they never what they see. And so it goes on, waiting for it to be my turn and end. This is love, oh God, won't you please strike me in? So it goes on. Also got a story to tell. I broke up with a guy and now no. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, awesome breakup awesome. story. I think that you guys could like totally maybe you could bring in people from like up from the audience to tell their breakup <laughs> stories and make this into like a half an hour song. <laughs> We're we we might have some plans to do something similar at the album launch. Actually. Okay, <laughs> that was so good. I'm so glad you took Aww. out your banjo. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for that, having us. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, anytime. Thank you so much for tuning into Stettel on the Shortwave, and we'll be back in two weeks. And thank you to Karina Rose for coming into the studio. Awesome guys. Hi, this is Professor Sandy Perlman of the Schulich School of Music, producer of The Clash and the Blue Oyster Cult, and let's not forget the awesome dictators. I am the person portrayed by Christopher Walken in the Saturday Night Live Cowbell skit, and you are listening to 90.3 CKUT Montreal.